So, you're going on a road trip to some place you've never been or maybe some place you haven't been in a long time. What kind of information do you need to look up to make sure you're successful? We're going to talk about that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I appreciate it very much, as we do every week. Also appreciate the longtime support of our partners at Sportsman's Warehouse. Visit them at sportsmans.com or any one of 140 plus stores nationwide. Guys, I just got back from a grand opening at Sportsman's Warehouse, actually. A newest store in Colorado. Had a great time. Got to meet a bunch of you there. And uh, good to see the companies uh, growing along, and everyone was happy to have them there. That was in Colorado Springs. So check out that store. Uh, they've been a partner of all things Fishful Thinkers since the very, very beginning, since before there was any such thing as Fishful Thinkers. So we appreciate their support, and they would appreciate your support. So if you're thinking of going on a road trip, uh, as a guy that's hosted a TV show since January of 2009, started filming in January of 2008, who previous to that did a whole bunch of traveling for tournament fishing, and previous to that just traveled around and fished because I love to fish. There's a few things over the years I've learned about road trips to new places, and more specifically, I would say in the last decade or so especially, things I've gotten really tuned into to check out to make sure that we're successful. And I know a lot of you may not necessarily go on road trips to places you've never been, but maybe it's a place you haven't been in a long time. Um, A little bit of research will go a long ways ahead of time in terms of figuring out what you may need, what you're going to encounter when you get there. Uh, Plus, it's part of the anticipation thing I always talk about. And as far as I'm concerned, anticipation brings extra value to the money you spend on going on a trip somewhere because you get to think about it a whole bunch ahead of time. And that anticipation, and in some cases even problem solving, which is kind of what we're talking about here, uh, as far as what you'll need when you get there, all of that is part of the experience. And therefore, um, it gives you more time, so to speak, to consider the trip and spread your dollars out over accordingly. So, I think the more you plan for a trip, the uh, better off you'll be in terms of value. That's just my opinion on it. But this is the time of year right now, and and I always record these only only the day of or the day before um, that they air. We're in the process of planning our wintertime stuff at this point. And a little farther out than what I'm talking about for this podcast, but the concept is the same. I will time those those trips for our wintertime filming around certain things. So we'll start and talk about some of the specific things fundamentally. Uh, First and foremost, if you have not already planned the trip and the dates aren't fixed around any one thing, uh, let's say it's not a work trip or this happens to be when your vacation is and you can only go these days, if it's up to you to choose the dates, couple things I'll throw out there about that. For one, I will always choose my dates given the chance. I will choose my dates around the full moon, the dark moon, or the half moon, one of those three. And if I can, it's going to be the full moon or the dark moon, depending on what species it is and where I'm actually considering going. So why that's important uh, depends on where we're specifically referencing. 
For one, the moon phase will drive spawn cycles or spawn phases of most fish, uh, and game for that matter. So it, depending on the species of fish, being there on a full moon or a dark moon may make them more predictable in terms of how they set up for their spawn. Along the same lines, um, the moon phase will maybe dictate when the bait fish will run or spawn. And there again, we'll put the sport fish in places that you need to find them. So the overwhelming majority of Fishful Thinker television shows, and we've done a lot of them in the last, you know, whatever, since 2009, um, have been filmed on either a full moon, dark moon, or a half moon. The only exceptions to those are some of the how-to shows that we do, uh, meaning that we're just going to go to a lake somewhere and demonstrate a specific technique and it isn't necessarily about that lake or those fish. So it's very important to us that we do that. The next thing we try to do is catch our stable weather seasons over and above that. So if you know you're talking about visiting area that's known for volatile weather, well, then maybe you need to plan a couple extra days. So if you're going to an area that's known to be stable all the time anyway, or reasonably stable, I mean, it is weather we're talking about here, uh, but then it could be a little bit more margin for error on when you plan those kind of things, or you can maybe tighten up a little bit your date. So for instance, if I'm going fishing, uh, let's say in Florida, in May, I can count on the fact there's going to be relatively stable weather. If I'm there in July, you can count on the fact that you're going to get big thunder boomers every afternoon and you better therefore um, pick your timing carefully or give yourself some extra time because you're probably only going to be fishing first thing in the morning. So there's things like that that consider in play of the timing. But assuming that all of that is set at this point, you don't get to pick your timing, uh, or you did pick your timing regardless, what else do we look for when we're planning these trips? Let me start off by saying I don't read fishing reports. I've done whole podcasts on that. I don't like fishing reports. It does not matter to me how you, Billy, or Tommy caught them yesterday or the day before or Thursday. It's irrelevant because... In my mind, somebody else on the lake the same day caught them a lot better or a lot worse than you, and their report's going to be a lot different than yours. So right off the bat, let me clarify that I don't look at fishing reports. I don't want to know how they're catching fish. I'd rather fish with an open mind and fish to the conditions that are directly in front of me. So fishing reports are out. Having said that, I might look at fishing reports for specific species, but don't read the full report. So in other words, if I know that a certain lake in Kansas, a bunch of people are posting reports about crappie fishing, well, I can reasonably assume that the crappie bite is on or at least should be on. So in other words, if there's 15 reports about Glen Elder Lake in, you know, in Kansas, and they're all pertaining to crappies. Well, either guys are catching them or not catching them, but regardless, they were there trying to catch them, which tells me that it's a time of year that people would target crappies there. So if it's a lake I don't know anything about, that might steer me in the right direction. And we always pre um, preach to fish for what's biting. It's very, very rare that we show up somewhere and we fish for only one species of fish, and that's what we're going to do. And we, we go there, and we'll fish what the lake's going to give us, and I recommend you do that as well, because you'll have the most fun. You'll catch the most fish. If you're a hardcore dude, and you only want to catch walleyes, well, that's fine. But you might get there and find out there's a wide-open crappie bite somewhere else on the lake, or a perch bite, or a pike bite, or a muskie bite, or whatever the case might be. 
And you'd have a lot more fun to catch a bunch more fish if you targeted those. So unless you're a hardcore tournament guy or just dead set on one species of fish, I recommend fishing with an open mind. So the fishery reports might steer you a little bit as to what species you should be looking for, even if those reports are good or bad. So a classic example of that would be something like uh, particularly fish that, that, that are on a run or on a spawn. If guys are anticipating a walleye spawn come around, you're going to see a lot of posts. And if you haven't been there before, you might not know when the walleyes will spawn. And therefore, it'll give you a clue that, hey, wait, the walleyes are, are potentially spawning right now, and it's something I need to consider when I go to this lake. So I'll, we'll look at that, but that's it. I don't care how you caught them, when you caught them, uh, any of that stuff. Just what species are people looking for? Now, one thing I do read, and I read religiously, is water levels. If we are talking about a reservoir of any kind, I want to know what the water level's doing and what it's been doing for at least a week, if at all possible, prior to when we go there. I don't need it much more than that, but I need to know what's been going on for four or five days before we get there because that is going to dictate a whole bunch about where I locate fish, regardless of the species of fish, and what I can expect out of their mood. So, I've done other podcasts about this as well. The sudden change in water movement is never your friend. Unless you're talking about a tidal fishery or a power generation reservoir like you might find typically in the south where they turn on the gates, start generating electricity, the fish immediately start feeding. That's a completely different scenario. Same thing with a tidal situation where fish are waiting for the tide to get right, and as soon as it moves, um, typically for me, that's a turn on the outgoing or a turn on the incoming tide. Um, The the immediate start of the tide will move fish. Those are the only scenarios where I'm happy to see the water start moving. The rest of the time, if it's been high, I don't want it to change. If it's been low, I don't want it to change. If it's rising or falling, I don't care. I just don't want it to change. So by giving myself several days' notice... Uh, saying I'm going to look at the water level for, say, the week prior to when I get there, it will let me know, is it making a change? Is it moving up and down? Is it consistently moving down? Is it consistently moving up? Was it stable until yesterday, and then it started dropping? At which point, I'm probably not even going to go, because the immediate change in an otherwise stable reservoir situation, and stable being the, the relative to the change itself, in other words, consistently falling water, I would say is stable. Consistently rising water, I would say, is stable. It's just a matter of the immediate change. So high stable water, and then all of a sudden it starts falling, or low stable water, and all of a sudden it starts rising. Those are your nightmare scenarios. So I want to know several, at least several days, and preferably a week in advance of what the water level is doing. Incidentally, in a lot of places in the western United States, you may or may not be able to launch your boat. So that's the other side of it. And we have run into that scenario where I checked... Um, and it wasn't able to get all the data that I necessarily need when we get there and the water's too low, or I check too far in advance, the water's dropping consistently. You go, okay, no problem. It's dropping. We know how that sets fish up. We'll go catch them. Well, it dropped off the bottom of the boat ramp in a couple of days since you last checked that, and that can be bad. And Eastern anglers may not be that familiar with that, but in the Western United States, it happens a lot. And it's not super relevant this year as much because we've had such a wet year. But in the history of Fishful Thinker, it's happened to us a bunch of times. So if, if there's opportunity to get information about the boat ramp itself and how much water is on it, that's really important. That's something I will always check, assuming I'm bringing a boat, of course. Now, 
Another thing I will check, and, and just for the record, let me back up on that. A lot of the Western reservoirs are Bureau of Reclam Bureau. Yeah, let me try that one more time. Bureau of Reclamation Run Reservoirs, and they have a fairly comprehensive websites uh, that will show you even a graphic of how much water is on a boat ramp. So if you have a pretty good idea how much water your boat needs to get off the trailer, then you can probably assume that you know by reading their graphic that you'll be okay. So. That's where I would get that information if possible. Sometimes we'll call park offices. Uh, sometimes we'll call even, I've been known to even look up local fishing clubs and just say, hey, this small lake doesn't have any detail online. Can you give me an idea of what the water level is doing or whatever? And in that scenario, I will not be asking for fishing details, just water level and condition details. Speaking of condition, the other thing I always want to know is the temperature, and I can assume based on the weather patterns uh, of what that temperature would be doing. In other words, if it's midsummer and the water's 75 degrees, I can probably safely assume it's going to stay around there. If it's spring and it's 75 degrees, I can assume it's probably getting warm. Conversely, for fall, it's, it's going to start cooling. So regardless, I want to know what the temperature is, mostly because that's going to put me in what species are going to be in the best scenario. So if I'm going to a western reservoir and the water temp's only, you know, 49 degrees, well, I'm probably not going to target smallmouth bass. I'm going to go target the trout that might be in there or the salmonids or what is, you know, whatever else might be in there. The fish that are going to be happiest in that condition because water temperature obviously affects fish's metabolism and fish that don't like really cold or really hot water are going to be in a bad mood if they're in really cold or really hot water. So I've seen bass in, in 45 degree water be very difficult to catch, whereas the trout are going gangbusters. Conversely, the water's 80 degrees, the trout are 50 feet below the surface of the lake under the thermocline, and they're impossible to catch on the same fishery. Whereas the bass in that scenario are very happy. So again, it's relative to the species, but knowing what the temperature is will dictate to me what species I'm looking for. So I always wanna see that. The other thing I want to know before I go is what's the weather been for the last several days? And I don't need to know what it is uh, for the last month, but for the last three, four, maybe five days. Am I dealing with a, with a cold front? Am I dealing post-cold front? Uh, am I dealing with you know, whatever the scenario is? I want to know what the weather has been for a few days prior to me being there. I'm not a big fan of weather predictions going forward because we've been proven wrong on that one so many times, or the weatherman has, I should say. Um, but I am a big fan of knowing what it did prior to us heading there because, again, that will affect the mood of the fish, and it will tell me a bunch of things. Key along amongst that weather data is the wind. Which way has the wind been blowing? Has it been blowing consistently out of the south? Has it been blowing out of the north? Has it been mixing back and forth? And, again, those things will position fish. So if I know it's been blowing into one side of the lake for days on end, I know one of two things is going to go on there. Either there's going to be a good bite going on in that side of the lake, or that side of the lake is going to be completely blown out and yucky, and I'm going to need to go to the other side of the lake. But either way, by knowing that, it allows me to make that decision with um, the mindset that the most amount of data for one and with the mindset that I know in advance what I'm going to get to. So when I put the boat in the water and I run over there and look at the side that was all windy, which is always going to be my first inclination, if I get there and it's all blown out and muddy and nasty and whatever, then I might go somewhere else. Um, conversely, if it's fine, if the water clarity is okay, maybe it's only getting yucky in the afternoon when the wind blows, well, then great. Then I'll probably go ahead and fish there before I'd fish the other side of the lake because I'd rather fish where the wind's been blowing in. The ecosystem's typically a little more fired up on that side of the lake. 
and I'll go from there. So that's one thing I for sure always want to know as far as that goes. The other thing I want to know, and this is more along the the conditions-wise there, is what are my key prey species, if at all possible? And that's typically trickier data to get, but if you can find it, it's important. Colorado Parks and Wildlife at my home state, they will publish that data about any of the major reservoirs around the state of what the key species are and what percentage of their makeup is. So my home lake is famous for the fact that it has smelt in it. Uh, rainbow smelt, great great bait fish, whatever, uh, but that's not your only choice. So we need to know beyond that, if at all possible, what my prey species are, understanding that your prey species might be one of your uh, predator species as well. For instance, baby bluegills, baby green sunfish, baby crappies, and baby perch are all excellent bait fish for bass especially, or in the case of perch, walleyes and pike. Um, that's important because if I know I have a lake that's got a really high crappie population in it, I know that I can probably find baby crappies in the areas around where crappies would have spawned, and therefore I can find fish feeding on those. So it's not about a specific bait, but knowing what your options are uh, as far as the bait fish goes. So I will always try to find that information if I can, and um, and that's about it. Obviously, I want to know what the predator species are as well, but there, that's that's day one stuff. We don't need to talk about that. So. Another thing, legality-wise, that I try to find in advance, I want to know if there's any special regulations on the lake in regards to what I can or can't fish with, uh, or in the case of maybe even a whole state not to do with that lake. So, for instance, I went to Alaska. I showed up there one time with a whole box full of baits. I flew to Alaska on a little tiny plane. We flew over the Alaska range and landed in the middle of nowhere, only to find out that I took some of my precious 30 pounds that I was allowed to bring, and that's it. And 30 pounds sounds like a lot until you got to pack for a week in Alaska and you only have 30 pounds. Well, the whole box of baits I brought with me had illegal hooks on them because I hadn't bothered to do research of the fact that you could have a single hook only on anything in this particular river we were flying to. Where I had been to Alaska previously, it was not an issue. Well, uh, this particular river it was, and therefore I wasted a bunch of time and effort and had baits that I couldn't even throw when I got there because I did not have hooks to replace the trebles that were on them. And, uh, and when I tried to cut trebles apart to make them usable, my baits didn't run right. So it's one of those deals. So I want to know if there's any special special regulations that are going to directly affect my fishing. Uh, the other thing is area closures, any place closed to boats, uh, anything like that. I always want to know that kind of stuff in advance. And then the last thing I want to know in advance, and this is a big one, is there any special events going on? Because I've seen this one be a serious detriment to all kinds of um you know, fishing trips that we've been on. So I've seen everything from the Never Summer Tour that showed up there, which is a wakeboard competition that showed up at a lake. I did not, I had not seen any headlines about that. And I showed up at a lake and lo and behold, there's 500 wakeboard boats and another 5,000 people there to watch them do their competition. So that's bad juju. Equally bad could be a giant bastard walleye tournament going on or a special event like like uh, catch a special thrill or cast for kids, uh, something like that, where you're going to have a bunch of boats, a bunch of volunteers, and it's going to crowd the lake, or regatta, or anything like that. That's also why I avoid holidays, uh, being right around holidays, because you get a lot of parades. In my home lake, they do 
flag processions and boat parades and all kinds of stuff here on the lake, and you don't want to be trying to fish around those because you'll drive yourself crazy. So that's the other thing I always look at is any special events that may be going on. And incidentally, those aren't always easy to find. Typically, I will Google the lake the, the lake name in parentheses or the state park name, as the case might be, in parentheses and look up special events or news for the time I'm going to be there. Usually you can find if there's any announcements of any sort of a major thing going on. So uh, that's another thing I will look for. And uh, a, th a thing that, that appeals to me as far as the special events go is typically it's quiet before or after them. Maybe not so much a tournament, but other events, typically it's very quiet before or after them. And, uh, and that's a really nice time to be at the lake. We always film. When we're traveling to film, we film on weekends. and I, we, Or weekdays, I should say. We don't film weekends, and it's just because the lake gets busy. But fun fishing and tournaments are almost always on weekends. So you're kind of at a, you know, you have to be able to deal with both of those if at all possible. So uh, that I will definitely look up. And then from there, I look up any of the basic stuff that anybody else would look up as far as what are my lodging options and all that stuff. Um, a, a key one is making sure you can plug your boat in, particularly if you're new to traveling with a boat, making sure that they have a place you're allowed to park your boat and you're allowed to plug it in wherever you're going. So whenever we book hotels, if we're going to book hotels at whatever lake we're going to, I'm always, I never do them online because you're better off to call and talk to the person at the front desk and find out, look, I'm tall, I'm hauling a 21 foot bass boat. Can I park it somewhere on site? and plug it in to charge the batteries. So I've had hotels tell me absolutely not. I've had others tell me no problem. You can park out by semi-parking, but there's no plug-ins out there. And I've had others that say you can park it right in front of our, our main office and we'll let you plug it into a thing right there. I mean, it just depends on who you talk to at the hotels, where the hotels are, things like that. But if you book them online through one of the booking agencies, you won't know any of that. And I have shown up with a bass boat and then been told that I could not plug it in uh, or I could not park it adjacent to my room, and that's just not something I want to do. So I will always check on those things in advance. Uh, usually I'll find where my closest gas station is to the boat ramp if we're going to be there for a couple of days so I don't have to deal with that when I get there. I will always buy my license in advance online so I have that before I get there. Again, you can't count on Internet connectivity. And depending on where you are, you can for sure run into connectivity problems. And then my maps, whatever maps I'm going to use, if at all possible, I will get them in advance. So I'm going to a lake tomorrow uh, that I haven't been to since 2008. I am unable to find any online maps that are downloadable that I can use in my Lawrence unit. So I literally took screenshots of sections of the lake and downloaded those to my phone so that I can then look. And those screenshots are from Google Earth and others are from online uh, contour maps. But I've got probably a dozen screenshots on my phone now because otherwise, when I'm at the lake, I will have no connectivity, no way to look at those maps or anything else, and I'm fishing blind. And I don't want to fish blind. So by downloading maps, having them on my phone or printing them out or whatever it is you got to do, so that you have access to them in advance just in case is very important. Obviously, if you're going to a lake in a metro place or where you know connectivity is not a problem, you may not need some of this stuff. But in a lot of places we travel to, uh, you're going to run into problems with not being able to get online. And that's really important to, uh, to have some data or you're going to be fishing blind. And we don't like that, as I said. So that's another thing I always do. And then if I'm going to harvest fish, this is the last thing I'll go into. If I'm going to harvest any fish at all, 
I need to know about harvest regulations um, and, uh, and things like that. And I want to know those in advance because if I am going with the intent of harvesting fish, maybe there's three different species I can harvest and one of their regulations is better than, than the other as far as catching them to go from there. So I will always check on any of that stuff in advance of specific to the lake that I'm going to or river or whatever the case might be. Always will check that stuff in advance. And let me back up a touch. When I talked about water level, I did not talk about rivers. But if you're a river guy, obviously knowing what the flows are doing for the river is important for one, but also are they changing daily? Rivers are commonly going to go, you know, the river will rise in the morning or in the afternoon on, in the springtime. It might actually go down in the afternoon in the fall. So depending on what river you're looking at, that's something else I'd look at. I skipped that in the beginning, and I apologize for that. So... Uh, that's basically my spiel. When we're planning to go somewhere, it's a matter of as much detail as I can get with, with regards to almost every condition, except the fishing reports themselves, which seems counterintuitive, but it's how we've made it work for years. The less reports I read, the better off we are, and that goes for tournament anglers especially. If you're a tournament guy, uh, very important that you don't get wrapped up in doc talk and fishing reports because there's nothing more difficult to catch than another guy's fish. So find your own fish, fish with an open mind, you'll catch more in the long run. So if you want to join the conversation, please do so uh, at Fishful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. That would be great. We really would appreciate it if you would subscribe to our not only our podcast, but our YouTube channel itself. Uh, very important for us. Uh, something we put a lot of resources in these days. We upload at least a couple of videos a week, uh, and so we would hope that you'll take advantage of some of that. And then, of course, we hope you'll tune in and see what we're up to on Altitude Sports Entertainment and World Fishing Network five days a week on both of those networks. So thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Mm -hmm.